Welcome to the Republican Professor. This morning we have with us Jessica Wilkinson. Hello, good morning. Good to have you, Jessica. And I'm in California and it's hot. It's 90 degrees already, 92 oh. degrees. Crazy. I'm so jealous. Oh, really? Yeah, and I'm we're, so jealous. You're joining us from Washington, D.C., I think you said, right? Washington. <laughs> Vancouver, Washington. Vancouver, Washington. Okay, sorry. I got the wrong Washington. <laughs> well, I, at least I had the right president. I didn't say it was Jefferson, D.C. <laughs> or, you know, because I do that sometimes. Madison, D.C. Um, wow, these are really dumb jokes, but I enjoy them and I will be laughing at them by myself. Yes, that's I appreciate them. Well, I'm jealous of your warm weather because we in the Pacific Northwest have um a lot of green but not a lot of sunshine so i mean we have a lot of rain and gloom and gray clouds for mm. three-fourths of the year so, oh wow i didn't yeah. know that three-fourths mm -hmm. oh geez. i mean i it to me but maybe it's because i'm from california that i long for mm. the sunshine so much but what part of california are you from i am from northern california and from the beautiful mount shasta california area Very and then nice. i moved to Southern California for college. And okay. my husband grew up in Los Angeles and moved to Northern California for college. And that's how we met. We kind of flip-flopped and we're here now. So. And uh, in the Shasta area, is that sunny a lot or what's yes. the weather like? Yes. Oh, is it sunny? It, yeah, okay. it's, um, they have all the four seasons, a lot of snow oh, from wow. the mountains, cool. but yeah, but they still have sunshine even when it's below freezing, you know, so. Oh, man, that's awesome. That sounds like Colorado where I grew up. Yes. I grew up in Colorado and we had snow four seasons and the sun was shining. It seems like most of the year, like oftentimes we would get snow and maybe it would be overcast in the morning and then by the afternoon it'd be sunshine and the snow would be melting already. Yeah. So it was similar. really, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Now you uh, are a homeschooler. Yes. And how long have you been doing that? Um, we have been homeschooling for, this is our seventh year. We wow. started with my son who is 11 when he was five. We started when he was five, um, starting kindergarten. So um, we have four children, ages one and a half to 11 and a half. And um, so I have three that I'm kind of actively homeschooling and obviously a toddler. So, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's a, jeez. Oh, that sounds like a lot of work. It yeah. is, but very rewarding. Yes. Yeah. So with all of those kids, how in the world did you get the idea to homeschool? I mean, th that just sounds like so painful. Are you just so far away from a normal school? Like, uh, what's, great what's... question. Um, well, when we started to consider homeschooling, I think our firstborn was two or mm -hmm. almost two. So we didn't even have our second child yet. And I was working um, okay. yeah. at the time. I was working part time, I think, um, with some attorneys in a corporate office and I loved my work and um, I, we did live in a rural area. So there weren't a lot of options as far as uh, there was one, you know, 
government option, one public <laughs> elementary school. But that wasn't even I like even how you really... put that. I like yeah. how you put it. It's, there was a government option. Yes. Um, but that wasn't <laughs> even really why I think we just, we started to consider homeschooling. My, my husband is the one who thought of it first. He brought it up. It was something I had never considered. And, hmm. but I, I, I didn't find the idea revolting. I just, I had never considered it. My husband and I both grew up in public schools, K through 12. We, hmm. when you grow up in that system and you grow up around stereotypes around homeschoolers, like um, assuming that all homeschoolers are somehow socially awkward or destined to fail in the workplace or don't have access to what you have access to. There's, there's definitely some arrogance to that and ignorance, but mm -hmm. if you grow up in that system, it's hard to imagine schooling outside of that format. Yep. So That's right. um, yep. my husband has some great intuition and he mm. figured it would be best for our son and our family. And so for a couple mm -hmm. of years, it was just in the background as an option. We moved to Portland, Oregon, which was not a rural area, a very urban area and had a lot more options, but also a pretty sad government option down the street from where we lived. And um, a friend- when, when, when you say sad, you mean you drive by the building and there's like gang signs everywhere? Yeah, uh, we were- our, where we lived, yes, had a failing public elementary school. It was, um, we had a, we lived in a fairly high crime area. Mm -hmm. And so even though there's plenty of wonderful teachers who worked there and wonderful families who sent their children there, uh, we, it wasn't even really an option for us. It didn't appeal to us at all. So, um, and that's not because we were rolling in the dough and we could afford a a private school option or anything like that. We just, it, it just wasn't an option, um, which probably a lot of parents can relate to. So we also wanted to remain pretty, um, we wanted to be able to move because my husband was finishing up school and we wanted yeah. to be mobile. So we homeschooling provided a great way to remain mobile and be able to follow his career if we moved. And so when a friend showed me a program called Classical Conversations, hmm. which laid out this really easy, beautiful format for homeschoolers to join. I jumped and when my son was five. And by then I had a second child. So would you say it was called Classical Conversations? Mm -hmm. Classical Conversations. And Classical Conversations is a homeschool program. It's a, it is a tuition-based academic program. If you enroll in a local community, um, it started, I, I think in the 1990s, but it is, there are local communities offering classical conversations programs in every single state in the United States, in Washington, DC, in Puerto Rico, um, in over 50 countries now in 2022. So its growth has been exponential. Mm. And, um, and that's because what it offers is so great. It provides a path for parents who feel the need to homeschool and don't know how they want their child to have a great uh. quality education that maybe they didn't even have themselves. So they want to know how do I pass off an education I didn't even have? 
but I know I want for my child. That's good. You know, how do I pass off a quality education that I can't afford in a private setting? And classical conversation lays out a path for K through 12 homeschool families to not only follow a classical education program, but to join a local community so that they're not alone. You know, they socialize, they actually meet once a week. They have tutors and classmates in a small classroom size. They have access to free curriculum, free training in the summer, free tutor training for parents if they want to have a part-time job. Um, It's an amazing resource and I highly recommend it. (laughs) I think as soon as uh, you said Mm -hmm. tuition-based, there's probably some people listening to this in the future that are thinking, gosh, this started to sound great. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Get, you have to bring money in. I mean, that, yeah. you got to pay the teachers. That, that mm-hmm. makes sense. I mean, yeah. you have to put the website up and all that. Mm-hmm. Those people need to be paid. Right. Um, but it's, it's really tough for, mm-hmm. for parents because they're, they're in such a bind. If from whatever perspective you're coming from, you're looking at that public school and you're like, my tax money is going right. to that dang thing. Yeah, you're right. And, and I'm already paying taxes and it's like, now I have to shell out also mm-hmm. for private. Yeah. You just feel like you're getting screwed there. And it's yeah. just like, um, so, um, well, you is are, it, is it prohibited? <laughs> yeah. You are. Okay. Yeah. Let's just put it out. Just you like, are. Let's just say, call it a spade, a spade. Mm-hmm. Um, in the state of Washington, I yeah. think we pay 17,000 a year per student for K through 12 public education. I think the national average is about 12,000 a year per student, but in Washington, it's especially brutal. And so, yes, you are, you are Mm -hmm. getting screwed. (laughs) I I happen to know there's research that says in pretty high level. I mean, it's not, it's Harvard. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's not me Mm -hmm. uh, that says that the, the outcomes, the, the success, however you measure success, let's assume you can measure success, but, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, I'm, I'm going to screw this up a little bit, but what the success outcomes, the best success outcomes do not correlate well with how much money is being spent per pupil by the government. Uh, Yeah. That's scary. Yeah, it is (laughs) scary. scary. Yeah. So some of the, some of the, uh, systems that pay the most per pupil. And I think it's like Washington, DC, and mm-hmm. I don't even know, mm-hmm. probably Washington is up mm-hmm. there. Um, they're mostly Democrat places. I mean, when I say that it's, it's kind of like saying, uh, the grass is green. I'm just describing <laughs> it. I'm not, I'm not, it's not a judgment. I'm just right. saying that's, that's just a fact. <laughs> Washington DC is entirely Democrat. I don't think there's a single elected or a married elected official, and you'll get that later, um, serving, that's that's a Republican in the local D.C. Wow. I'm not talking about Congress, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, right, that's right. all the whole, whole across the country. But, but the local District of Columbia is entirely Democrat. Wow. I mean, so, I mean, if, if let's just be fair here. I mean, if, if it was like... Uh, a city like uh, entirely run by Republicans and it was that size, it was a huge city Mm -hmm. and it was a huge, important city. Like it was the seat of a major government. (laughs) 
it was all Republicans and it was failing to that extent. What do you think the reaction would be? I mean, it's just like, you know, but for some yeah. reason, you know, if it's Democrats running it, then, you know, people will just go, oh, they're trying, they're trying their best. Yeah. Just you know? give us you some more understand. money we, we and it might very, get better. <laughs> we have very good intentions. You just don't yeah. understand. But yeah. uh, Republicans can't say, oh, we have good intentions. So just give us a pass. We never get that. But anyway. Yeah. Um, but, well, it, I, you know, I, it, yeah, it's just. I, I was going to say, I I really agree with you. I think our state has something like a C minus in its schools. And um, I'm sure I, yeah, the national average is pretty pathetic. It doesn't seem that more money has helped anybody, but the ones that it really hasn't helped and homeschoolers illustrate this, it hasn't helped low income families, which low income families are the reason we keep public schools open. It's the reason we use for reform and more money. We, all of us, we care about the children, Democrats and Republicans care about the children. We want them all to have an education. We've been told that education can help you cross class barriers and raise you up and help you reach your dreams. And there is one group that without public education, you know, we've been told wealthy children, they'll have access to options, right? Yeah. But um, they can escape it. Their parents can help them escape it. We understand that. We, we generally agree on that. And there is a group that will illustrate for the whole country that the more money public schools get, um, almost like the more they harm the low income homeschoolers, even the so New York you're, Times, you're, you're concerned about the lower income people being harmed. That's yes. what I just heard you say. Yes. Yes. So, so just remember that everybody okay. listening to this, yes. the heart of Jessica is coming out here. She's concerned about the well-being of really vulnerable people, yes. and the government is not doing it. It's not meeting what it's supposed to be doing. No. And um, when your only option is compulsory government education, you don't know that you don't know that income and race are not determinants of your school uh, success. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. If there's no competition, and for a hundred years we have compulsory government education in the United States, mm-hmm. and there's a certain demographic that is always at the bottom of the mm-hmm. test scores, we are told for multiple generations that the reason is because yeah. they of because of their their skin color or yeah. because of their wealth. And in fact, that's the argument used to protect compulsory government education. But mm-hmm. guess what? Homeschoolers have blown that up. Oh. Homeschoolers are blowing that up right now. The New York Times reported in 2021 that the greatest increase in homeschooling right now is among low-income families. Really? Wow. Yes. Wow, I did not know that. Yes. And guess what? That's surprising. When you test, when you test homeschoolers, 
guess what? Their income has no role in how well they test. Their race has no role in how well they test. We, if I just, I, I feel like if there's nothing else, there's if the biggest takeaway is that marginalized people who are frequently used to promote government education and to protect it. They, by, the, by the teachers unions. Yes. That's really what's union. happening. I mean, because yeah. it's, it gets about government jobs for it is. people it's, who vote it's a certain a huge, way. It's a huge business. It's a powerful um, it's, I mean, the largest labor union in the country is the NEA, I believe. Yeah, um, that's right. And I'll quote um, Cheryl Field Smith. She, she's dug into this, actually. And she, she wrote in 2013, Black home education represents a vehicle of resistance to institutionalized racist, racism and ideological mismatches between Black families and their educational needs. She... Um, that's she I heard you say institutional racism and yes um I think somebody's listening to that in the future and they're thinking wait did you just say institutional racism wait, I'm trying to categorize you what are you what are, what are you saying about that well I you know I what's was that, a yeah what's <laughs> that uh what, what do you think the upshot of that quote is could you would you mind uh, repeating it just one yeah more so okay. this this professor I I think she's she's she basically started studying um, African-American families and specifically in the South. Um, I think a lot of them were from Atlanta, Georgia, but there were, there were other places, there were other groups and she, there's, there's been evidence for, I want to say a couple decades now that black homeschoolers test 35 percentile points or something like that higher than all, um, their peers in public schools. That's, that's a roundabout guess. Wow. I mean, it's kind of been over the map, but even when you control for income. Well, how, how do their parents pay for the tuition? So parents pay for the tuition in homeschooling. Yeah. Oh, well, that's like a great a, question. Let's say, let's say I'm a, I'm a low yeah. incomer and I'm listening to this. Yeah. And I'm like tracking with you 100%. The, mm -hmm. the, the, the Dems are constantly on my heels and I constantly, I feel like I know what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's like the jig is up mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm, I'm onto them and I'm like, okay, I know this is pretty much just about teacher jobs and salaries and uh, mm -hmm. summers off and paychecks. And I, I understand teachers work hard. I yes. am a teacher. Yes. I, I know. We understand firsthand. there's great people there. It. Yes. <clears throat> so but we're talking about on an institutional level, say I'm, I'm, um, I'm a low income parent and I have, mm -hmm. uh, I'm like at my wits end here. I'm like, I'm looking at my little son, Johnny, mm -hmm. and my da little daughter, Johnny yet. I wasn't very creative with my name. No, you weren't. <laughs> um, and, um, and I'm like, I only get one of these this kid and only one of this kid in my life i can't like keep getting them this kid this kid is precious i don't want to screw him up by yeah. sending him there mm -hmm. but my back's against the wall i love what you're i'm hearing from you 
mm-hmm. on this, but you, then you say tuition based and my brain shuts off and mm-hmm. I'm like, they win the Dems yeah. win. Yeah. And I, yeah. You know, yeah, it's not, I, it's not yeah. about Dem versus R right. exactly, but I mean, it's obliquely about that, but, mm-hmm. but it's not in this case, what I'm, t- I'm saying is it's just about this kid, the Johnny Ed and Johnny, how do they, and the, the parent is just dying over here. Mm-hmm. How do they get their kid in there? Yeah. I, I valid question. And I, well, first of all, you know, the program I do is tuition based and an example is, you know, it's probably, it's like maybe $300 a kid for the whole year or something. So it's oh, not like geez. it's, we're not talking. Well, we're how, not do they, talking. how do they pay their bills with that? That's, so, that's well, hardly so, anything. Well, this is, and this is the beauty of a free market and a free mm. market in education because during wow, the pandemic, Black homeschool families grew fivefold. Fivefold. Are you serious? I am dead serious. I did not know that. They quintupled during the pandemic. And the 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 regular homeschool population, or I think maybe the white home, I, I think overall it doubled, but black homeschoolers specifically, it quintupled. Now I'm using I, I am referring to black homeschoolers, not assuming that all blacks are low income or that all that, but I am, I am, I am picking on, not picking on, but I am referencing them because I do believe that black families will illustrate to the country how bad compulsory government education has been. And this is why they have, unfortunately, their children have been at the bottom of literacy rates since compulsory education started, since after the Civil War, since um, mm-hmm. since since desegregation, and so what they are proving by homeschooling, and we'll get to the part of how how difficult that is with resources in a minute, but they okay. are showing that by pulling out of the government system and becoming and, and, and stopping their dependence on the government system that was supposed to save them and promote them and help them cross class barriers and income barriers, which it hasn't. They are showing that their resourcefulness and that their intelligence and all of this is not dependent on the government and that the free market will solve the problem. Now, here's an example. There are single mothers who take turns watching each other's children while the others work and they help homeschool. There are little learning pods that they erected to to come and help school each other's children while the others are working. There are retired teachers helping school, you know, educate these children while their moms are working. So what it, what it actually shows is that alternative alternatives of all kinds are really important and competition in my mind is, is important for forcing government schools to do a better job. I actually think that amazing how that works. Yeah. It's like, it's it's mm -hmm. such a common sense thing. I I think people get what you're saying. Yeah. If you just give them some analogies to it, like, um, I don't know. I mean, these are maybe sound like stupid analogies. I'm just coming it off, off of it. We can hone up these analogies later Mm -hmm. as we go along, but, Mm 
doesn't have to be today. Uh, but like, imagine you have a government run, uh, like we, we all agree we need candy. Okay. <laughs> candy is a huge deal. Candy and coffee. So, you know, there's a certain mentality that says, well, let's start a government program that provides coffee for people because mm-hmm. it's very important for people to have coffee. Yes, it is. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so you have uh, I'm running for office and my opponent is against coffee. And the opponents say, no, no, I'm not against coffee. I just want the free market to do it because I don't trust the government to do it. And I'm like, no, you're you just don't want people to have coffee. Yeah, you don't want low you don't want low income people to have coffee and candy. So we have this big the Department of Coffee and Mm -hmm. I get, you know, sworn in as the first secretary of coffee. I got an undersecretary. We got a big budget to 70 billion dollars for coffee. Mm -hmm. And it goes to these bloated salaries of 4000 bureaucrats and, you know, sedans and cell phones. And we turn the lights on in these government buildings and and um you know, we, we now Congress has to approve our budget every year, but then we also decide whether they get elected to approve, you know, so so it's just this big, and then there's a, there's a certain areas of the world or of our country that just get the government coffee and it sucks. Yes. <laughs> the coffee sucks. <laughs> yes. So what you're saying is, is that the only reason you can see it sucks is because you see this other coffee coming in from these private companies, these mom and pop shops. Yeah. And you got to pay, mind. you got to pay the taxes for the government yeah. coffee, but you also, every once in a while, you got to try this other coffee and you can see there's no, and it's same with candy. Okay. But imagine it's like, just like the reason I come up with candy is because I'm staring at this jelly bean jar right now, <laughs> and it's it's actually been there for like years. We oh, never eat it, uh, but I just ha- I have it there because of like if there's ever an emergency, <laughs> like yes. you know it's if there's like <laughs> if, a, there's if, there's an an, if there's an earthquake and you need sugar or something that's just easy that's to put in save your backpack. Your life. <laughs> well, it's just easier to put your backpack if you have to walk 5 miles you have some some sugar. I'll make sure to get some for my survival kit. I didn't have yeah. that before. Oh, oh yes, yes. <laughs> Any survival store should have chocolate yeah. uh, hot hot chocolate coffee candy. <laughs> you this is stuff you don't think about like yeah. but until it you know it's really bad and then yeah. all of a sudden you're like oh man i could use a cup of hot chocolate right now or co- cocoa but anyway so is that a good analogy you think with the, co- the competition we get yes. the competition i mean that you know yes. you got apple iphones you got samsung mm-hmm. you know well, we get it compare Some that to the pay, that. pay phone yeah. that i grew yeah. up with the pay phone yeah. <laughs> you know the pay phone i i put a, a quarter in i can't take your picture yeah <laughs> with the quarter <laughs> and i'm putting the stupid quarter in Oh and it gosh. doesn't go anywhere <laughs> and it's really heavy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the public school in case you're not following along. Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And it doesn't. And here's the thing. It doesn't mean there aren't great people in there yeah. trying to sure. teach. And it doesn't mean there's not great families in there with great children. There trying is one to person. Learn. There <laughs> is one good teacher out there. There is. Yeah. The, the reality is that what we were talking about it's easier to overcome that system when you have other resources, right? We were kind of touching on that. I actually think that um, like liberals or progressive types tend to do a decent job of acknowledging 
that it can be hard to overcome that system. Unfortunately, they use that rhetoric to drive the system forward. And in fact, they use that rhetoric to war against vouchers for low income families to have choice. Like there okay, are that's a that's a problem right there because yeah. now you're affecting poor people. You're affecting whether they get money to educate mm-hmm. their kid. Mm-hmm. That that makes me mad. Yeah. There's um an example is the Schott Foundation, I believe it is, or Schott Foundation, S-C-H-O-T-T Foundation for Public Education. They talk all day about social justice. Their points have some they have some great points. Unfortunately, they use their effort to work against people of color, in my opinion, and low-income families to protect the establishment of compulsory government education. And all you have to do is look at the alternatives that are out there and growing, and you will see that children and their families are being helped by alternatives and by competition. And you could, if you cared so much about the low income people having resources, you would write them a check to go towards the school of their choice that matches their family values and their style of needed education. um, If you actually didn't care about just protecting the system, in my opinion, that's my opinion, but um, homeschooling. Well, you have a, your opinion is based on your it's not like you're just sitting here shooting from the hip. Yeah. You have a lot of experience. You've thought deeply about this. Yeah. I can tell mm-hmm. um, you have a lot of real looking, but actually fake books behind you. <laughs> Wait, <Yeah. laughs> are those real? It's a curtain. I just want to look those smart awesome. because people think homeschoolers aren't smart. <laughs> no, no, that's awesome. I love, yeah, those, no, I love it's, those uh, bookshelves. Those you know, awesome. I, I am truly inspired by the, the parents I meet when you talked about, well, what about me? I care about Johnny and I won't even say the daughter's name because it was so bad, but (laughs) you know, what do I do? I, like I said, um, you know, I'm, I am fortunate to homeschool with a community, but I'm a part of quite a few different communities. Um, I think community life helps educate children. So we take part in a lot of different communities, but the classical conversations community of which I am a part that I see every week is filled with inspiration. Hmm. These, um, we are all over the map income wise. We're all over parents. We're all over the map. Um, so you're saying edu- your community that you're in now is not a bunch of, it's, it's not Ku Klux Klan members only. <laughs> yeah. Correct. We have. Yes. Yes. Um, There is an image promoted by the media that homeschoolers are just rich white Christians, maybe. Mm. Um, And that is not the case. It's weird to say. I I don't understand. I I get the political strategy. I'm not saying that I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm dumb. I'm too dumb to get the political strategy. I get the political strategy. What I don't understand is why it works on anybody. I don't understand why some people can't see through that, but I know. Maybe you're well, just tired. Will. You're working two jobs and you can't tell. It's hard. It's hard to know yeah. what, what's true. So people say, well, there's a lot of manipulation. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like, a lot of people are low attention span. 
not because they're stupid, but because they're stretched thin with energy. We've all been there. Yes. We know what that's yes. like. Yes. And so when you're trying to put two and two together on something important to yourself, uh, an issue on your radar, it's hard to know exactly who's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. But at the yeah. same time, kind of what you're saying is you, all you have to do is just open your eyes, you know, yeah. look yeah. at the public school who mm-hmm. is lying to you. Look at how hard they're trying to tell you that the people that are against those obviously failing public schools are racist. <laughs> and like, what, really? Hold on a sec. Yeah. Why don't we go back to the public school and how bad they suck and yeah. how you can't change them all of a yes. sudden? So you're saying there's a, is there an easy way to join the community? If I'm black, let's say I'm black (laughs) and I'm high income, let's say I'm an attorney Mm -hmm. or I don't know, Mm -hmm. whatever I'm high income. And I show up at one of these community things. You are, you're saying that, um, I would be welcome. Yes. And that question is not even a question, you know? Yes. Um, Yeah. Or what if I'm highly sensitive and I'm like, which is not a bad thing. I'm highly sensitive too. Mm -hmm. I, Hey, it's good to be highly sensitive Mm -hmm. to some things, but you know, let's say you're, you're, you had bad experiences in the past with people, maybe racism. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're on the kind of lookout for that. And you, Mm -hmm. you're very sensitive to whether you feel that. Yeah. And, and you're, you're like, okay, I don't know. Is this, Mm -hmm. so you're saying, uh, that there will be enough resources there for me to feel like I'm coming into this fully as a member of this community? Absolutely. I would say that our community would love to have you. We believe we can learn from each other in community and that we provide a fuller picture of God through our ethnic what, diversity and other diversity. But what, I would also- What about if I'm low income though? What? Because yeah, I just gave well, you the, so I pull up in a Jaguar. Okay, that's one thing. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. but what if I'm low income? Well, so mm-hmm. here's what I'll say. I will say that there are first, because I have actually interviewed homeschoolers across the country and homeschoolers of color, I will say that there are plenty of homeschoolers that would prefer to meet, um, would prefer not to join a community like mine, more like for the classical, maybe Christian aspect. Um, And not because there's not ethnic diversity in our program, which there is, but I'll get to that. I would just say that regardless of who you are as a parent, you have the ability to join or not join any community you want (laughs) and, uh, and create the kind of community you want for your children. And there's, there are hundreds of examples of this in Florida. There's um, black home educators of Florida where they have community meetings where they share in it. And actually they are, there is an attempt um, to reclaim what has been lost culturally from black families. And I do think that in that instance, it's really important that they are leading that community and homeschoolers go to that and learn from it. There's, there's a re there's here's, I, I, I want to get to the price of my program, which it seems like you're driving at, but again, um, well, I was, it was kind of like a sociological, yeah. just, just, uh, just, you know, I think anybody who's low income, uh, might feel, like they can't do it. A little worried that they're yeah. going to fit in to something that costs money. 
Okay, right. So on average, homeschoolers spend about $600 per student per year. That's on average. Some probably spend astronomical amounts, according to their resources, on piano lessons and Latin tutoring and, you know, sports leagues and private sports camps, who knows. And then some probably spend almost nothing per child. Now, In how, my is, how is this homeschooling, though? I mean, like, what do I have to do? Do I have to give up my job? No. So in my program, you know, we meet one day a week. Oh, so okay. uh, the beauty of home education, which actually we should have defined at the beginning, technically uh, yeah. home, home okay. education is uh, homeschooling as I use it. And as the U S department of education uses it. And as the national home education research Institute, which you talked to Dr. Yeah. Brian Ray. Yeah. We haven't posted that it. yet, but he's, he's coming up. Okay. So, so the, homeschooling as I have been using it throughout our conversation refers to parent directed okay. education. It doesn't mean you're trapped at home all day. It doesn't mean you don't use other tutors or teachers in your child's life. And it doesn't mean, um, yeah, but Do it doesn't do mean your kids are weird and they just, it doesn't mean your kids are weird. It doesn't mean chess paying, with themselves. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're paying for an expensive program or that you're meeting once a week with a community like I am that does have a tuition. Okay. So what it does mean, it means you're not using public school curriculum. The government isn't calling the shots on your education. So there are online programs that parents do from home that are actually public school home, like homeschooling online. And it's actually, and there's, there's, there's hybrid programs and things like that. And part of that is because it's following the competition and the competition is saying we want out. And so public schools have provided for a while now, K through 12 online public homeschooling, but they are calling all of the shots. You are checking in with them. They're deciding the curriculum, you answer to them and they count your attendance. And so they get they get money from the state for your attendance. Okay. So homeschooling, when I refer to it is simply parent led education. Now, let me tell you, my homeschool community has represents a diverse group ethnically, but yes, but educationally and, and age wise, actually. And from where we come all over the map, um, all over the map, really. And, um, Basically, I, I homeschool with single mothers of six who still work full time Jeez. and their children are brilliant and wonderful. I homeschool with moms who are, have seen the fruit of their labor. And so they said, once you see the fruit of your labor as a home educator, you almost like, I can't go back. And mm. so they, no matter what their financial situation says, they said, I'll just do what it takes. They work three part-time jobs and their husband works so that they can make ends meet and continue to give their children the education they think they should have. I mean, that is how significant the fruit is of homeschooling that mothers right. and fathers will almost do whatever it takes once they've tasted it. Wow. Yeah. So give so it a shot. They'll give it. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, if what they, do you got to lose? If they give it a shot. And that's what I think what happened during the pandemic is parents had their kids at home unexpectedly and many of them got a look at the, their child's classroom for the first time via zoom. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, wow, and wow, many wow, of wow, them, wow. and many of them got a look at teachers unions 
the teachers union oh, priorities yeah. Yeah, yeah. for the first time. So, you know, for those who didn't know beforehand, they felt like, you know, you're fighting for my kids best. You care about my child, how they feel, how they, you know, they, you, they, you they actually believed the mayor. They believed it. And so, <laughs> no. so yes. So the last two years showed parents who didn't, they're like, oh, heck no. And not only that, but parents who had their children at home, um, who tried doing their own thing rather than the busy work the public school gave them to do. Busy they, work. I love that word. Yes. Yes. Because yeah, just babysitting. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The busy work that the schools give children, it's an insult to the child really yeah. and their, and their ability. And it was, it's insulting to parents when they see it come home and they're trying to help them with their homework. It's, it's, it's an insult to the whole country because it's an insult to the whole guess country. Guess what? You, you get charged with a crime you didn't do. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I want a jury trial. <laughs> Who's going to be sitting on that jury? It's going to be people that didn't learn a damn thing. They mm-hmm. didn't learn logic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been on a jury in Compton. I've been on a murder trial. Mm-hmm. I've seen it firsthand. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Mm-hmm. It's scary because the a defense attorney or the prosecutor, who's, who's telling the truth? You have to be able to have a BS detector. And that's not just something you get from Mm -hmm. osmosis Mm -hmm. you have to learn critical thinking at some point i mean i was i studied logic Mm -hmm. so i was on there and i was able to track the arguments i was taking very careful notes i was like one of two jurors that was taking very careful notes i was diagramming the arguments and so we went to deliberate and i didn't say a dang thing for Mm -hmm. hours Mm -hmm. i just listened and finally the there was disagreement on the jury and I'll just finish this uh, sh- uh, sh- short story long. Uh, there was disagreement on the jury. And finally I raised my hand. I said, okay, I, I, I teach logic and I, you know, I'm just, I, I was tracking the arguments. I was diagramming. Can I throw some stuff on the chalkboard and see what you guys think of it? And we're like, yeah. Okay. So, I threw on through the diagrams and I said, it seems to me that this is a fallacy right here. Uh, remember when this guy kept saying this and then remember when he, uh, he was supposed to talk about this, but then he ended up talking about the hat over there in the alley. Remember that? What was the hat all about with that? They were like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. That's a distraction. I said, well, that's called red herring mm-hmm. anyway. And so, and then, so I, I talked for maybe 10 minutes and then the deputy came in and said, you, we have to go to, I think, don't know if it was dinner or lunch it was some meal and then we weren't able to talk about it when we left right we came back it must have been lunch mm-hmm. so we came back i think this was the second day of deliberation or something like that i think or i can't remember but anyway we came back from lunch just they just started filling out the cards and i was like oh are we going to talk about it they're like no no we all agree it was pretty clear up there <laughs> That's and the that's power. That's a power. That's the power. Yeah, yeah. But and it's not like they're dumb. They're not. No, dumb. They no. just need a. You need. It's like it's like gasoline in a car. If you have a good education, the car works. Yes. You just need to have. You you need yes. it something to make it go. Yeah. And and um. Uh. <laughs> the the lady that there was an there was a black lady there who lived she thinks she was like i i swear she was like 93 or something she was so old mm-hmm. 
And she said that she had lived in Compton since she, when it was a white neighborhood, that's how old she was. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, um, wow. And she became angry after she saw my presentation and we were in the elevator. We weren't supposed to talk about it, mm-hmm. but she was standing next to me in the elevator and the, the attorneys were in the same elevator. We were going down or, you know, going to the cafeteria or whatever. And, and uh, she mentioned after the attorneys left the elevator, she said, I can't believe how manipulative they were to, to my feelings. Cause they one one of the set of the attorneys tried to make it about race. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she was so angry. She was shaking mm-hmm. after, after I showed anyway. And so then she, she agreed with me after. Yeah. So it's just interesting that um, to your point that it's insulting to the kids, I think is what you said. And it's mm-hmm. insulting to the parents. And I was just adding the other point, which is it's insulting to criminal defendants. It's, it's, it's insulting to our entire, these people vote. Yes. You know, so anyway, and well, no, and she, that woman could do a far better job than the government with her children (laughs) and Mm. with her grandchildren. And that's what I believe. And I think that homeschoolers provide the evidence for it that we didn't have before. And she, she could pass on so much, so much is lost between generations. So much, this is, again, this is where. This is where progressives that's, that's do. That's true. That's a good point. That's this is where progressives or liberal tend to do a. They do a good job, in my opinion, at acknowledging how harmful re-education camps were for Native American children. They are good at it, at least being vocal about the culture lost, the language lost, the family ties lost, the fact that when children came back from boarding schools and they were not allowed to use their same names or their languages, you know, things like that, they were alienated from their family. And progressives tend to be, I mean, you know, good about vocalizing that. And what I'll say is, but they need to take it a step further because our compulsory government education in the United States has been a tool for monopolizing the best times of childhood and by alienating the child from their family and from their family values and from their culture, regardless of what it is, regardless of whatever background it is, whatever religious values their family has. And that was really a quote from John Taylor Gatto, which have you heard of him? Just now. John, John Taylor Gatto, um, that really, that, that's a take. in the mafia? <laughs> no. That's a take from something he said, and I I absolutely agree with that. What did you uh, say? You said something about optimizing, monopolizing. It oh, monopolizes mono- the best times of child childhood. Monopolizes. What does what monopolizes the best government schooling? Oh, okay. And it alienates the child from their parents and from their family's values. Hmm. And yeah, because you really have somebody else raising your. You have okay, someone else so, raising your kid. Now, how does this work? Do they come over to your house? How does this work? Uh, well, do, the program. Who's going where? Where do, where do the kids go? The program that we do, again, we only meet once a week. So the majority of what I do 
is outside of this program. We classical conversation lays out a path for me to follow curriculum wise. Generally speaking, there's still fluid. I mean, there's still options for parents. And again, this is one of thousands of programs for okay. homeschoolers. Yeah. So there's lots to choose from. There's lots to choose from. This this one is just it is growing. It is in more than 50 countries. It is in fifth more than you know in, in the 50 states. It and okay. we follow a classical education program, which for those who don't know, it's based on the trivium, which is a Latin term for three roads. And we believe there's we follow these three stages of learning, the grammar stage, the dialectic stage, and the rhetoric stage. And so Classical Conversations has laid out a program for homeschoolers to follow based on those three stages. Gram uh, what was it? Grammar? What else? Grammar stage, the dialectic stage, and the rhetoric stage. And the grammar stage really refers to those young years where kids are like sponges and they just repeat everything. And if you've ever seen a Hallmark movie, maybe you've caught a glimpse of grammar schools as they once were, that little one room schoolhouse where mm -hmm you know, uh, kids of all ages are reciting Latin for, you know, or something or parts of speech. And, and um, so mm. what we do for mostly uh, like K through fourth grade ish, if that's the comparison or sixth grade, you have this, this stage where developmentally, it's just natural to fill the child right. with, you know, memorizing and reciting vocabulary for all sorts of subjects. What, what, then, a, what age is the grammar stage? That's about kindergarten through fourth grade. Okay. Fourth to sixth grade. It's there's a range. And the um, dialectic part sounds like a Marxist almost word. Oh, if you've been to yeah. college, you know, but what's what's dialectic mean? That just refers to questions and conversation, thinking oh. and questioning. So like Socratic. Yes. Basically. Exactly. And what, what grade is that? That kind of starts roughly sixth grade six to eight but you whenever you're learning a new subject I've realized you kind of use all of these stages you know when you're new to something right. that's true you kind of learn the vocabulary and then you build on it with questions right and mm -hmm. answering those questions and then when you master it you kind of enter this rhetoric stage which for classical conversation students are the high school years where you you master okay. the art of presenting and persuading information that you understand so, um, you know, you reach a deeper level of knowing to where you can communicate it, you know, and share it with others. But again, okay. you, you know, for adults, we go through these stages anytime we learn something new, but for children in our program, we kind of follow these natural stages of child development, where when a child is 11 and they're really, they like to push back with questions and stuff, they're naturally entering this, they're ready to go deeper and ask more questions about the information presented to them. Um, and, you know, and then the older they get, the more. So there's, um, there was a few. Now, is there, is there a fee that you have to pay in addition to the tuition? That's like a Republican union membership. It goes to all the, like all the Republican leaders. And then no, if no, you don't pay it, you're racist. Yeah, just in case you were really worried, when I was in classical conversations in Portland, Oregon, before I joined in Van Vancouver, it was probably mostly Democrats. I know you were worried, so I'll put <laughs> your mind at ease. Don't worry, well, here's there's their representation. <laughs> yeah, who, who was, uh, what I'm worried about is in the, the grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric, at what point they learn to be for gun control and to <laughs> skip school and to march 
with uh, signs and slogans. Yeah. Where is that? In- um, that is, you'd have to go Where's to your lesson? local government school. Oh, okay. For that. So I well, mentioned John Taylor Gatto, <laughs> and I want to yeah. go back to that for a second because he um, passed a couple of years ago, but he was a public school teacher in New York. Was he a for- good guy or a bad guy? Just tell me the answer. Good guy. Oh, he's a good guy. Okay, good. Okay. Because you said Gatto, and I was like, wait. He you might the, it might be pronounced no oh. it's g-a-t-t-o it could be gatto oh, i actually don't okay. i actually don't know but i have a few of his books so um so he's from new york you know he yeah. had a family yeah you know exactly. you got a nice family i got a nice family yes okay. he he uh he was a public school teacher for just shy of 30 years he worked in manhattan and in queens Kind of all over. He he um, was so effective by the end of his career that he won New York City Teacher of the Year three times, and he won New York State wow. Teacher of the Year twice. Jeez. And <laughs> what, what years? His, what? what was uh, I'm sorry. Nineties in the nineties in the 90s. So this is pretty recent. Yeah, in the nineties, and like I want to say, or yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. I should have said that. He wrote the book "Dumbing Us Down: The Hidden, um, The Hidden Curriculum of Compulsory Schooling." Oh wow! And he also wrote the book "Weapons of Mass Instruction." Oh wow, that's a cool title. Which is a catchy title, and it's called "The School Teacher's Journey Through the Dark World of Compulsory Schooling." And wow, I, mm-hmm, and I, this it's not just some dude like in his like you know underwear in kentucky with his chew and he's like you know <laughs> all these liberals he, yeah this no guy not is at new, all is he is a, he's a new york star teacher yes that he won some awards or something yes, where he he's was, competing against all these other teachers yes he was two-time new york state teacher of the year wow. and and here's what happened. He ended up resigning from his position at the end of his career with a with an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal called I Quit. Whoa. And at the end of it, he said, if you know for a way, a way for me to make a living without harming children, let me know. I'm looking for a job. Oh, wow. Yeah. But he won all these awards, so he obviously did something right, right? So he... You, you could make a case. Well, <laughs> Well, in yeah, his I guess I, what I would say is his students live to say that he did something right. Okay. Um, I would yeah. guess that some of your students are like some of his students, where he unlocked probably what you try to do every day in the classroom mm-hmm. that you were, but you were fighting against. Yes, you're fighting, fighting against. Yeah. yeah, you're fighting against a machine yes. that doesn't want students to think critically. No. no. You're right, fighting against right. a machine that actually does, he argues, wants to intentionally wants to dumb down students to a manageable working class. And he ends Whoa. up writing before Yikes. he dies in 2017, he writes the underground history of American education. Okay. And that's published. Yeah. And, and that's why, and here you go. That's this, the underground history of American education. Now, what he found at the end of the, his career and, you know, is a clue to how teachers, I guess, in public school classrooms can be successful somewhat and how homeschool parents can be successful somewhat is that he, he called for being a part of community, com- being a part of family, mm-hmm. you know, coming back to what, the, what schools have 
cause children to be alienated from. And that kind of connects to the 93 year old woman in the elevator is that there's a, there is a loss and the re-education camps, there is the loss of knowledge and culture between generations that's happening because when you're in school for yeah. 12, for, you know, for the majority of your waking hours, Monday through Friday for 12 years, you do naturally miss out on time absorbing your family's cultural values, your relig your family's religious values, you know, your mm. the knowledge that your grandparents may have would have passed on to you or your parents would have passed on to mm -hmm. you um, or yeah. those, you know, or who would have called you out for your poor reasoning or manipulation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really a peer. It's purely peer. I mean, I just remember how powerful the peer issue was in my public school. I went through public schools too. Yeah. And I remember it didn't seem to bother me that much until I got to seventh grade. And then everybody really? was rolling up their jeans and I, I didn't get the email. I didn't understand why everybody was doing this. And, uh, I was mistreated for not rolling up my dream jeans. And I, I thought, what does this have to do with learning? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even want to go to the cafeteria during yeah. lunch. I yeah. went to the library. Yeah. I didn't see anybody else going to the library. I didn't, I, I saw in seventh grade that I'm thank God there was a library, but <laughs> at where I could get some relief, but it was like, I just saw that school wasn't really about school. It was about so many other things. It was about fitting in. It was about trying to be popular. I mean, even in seventh grade, that's not what a 13 yeah. year old ding, should ding, be thinking. Ding, ding. Yeah. Ding, For ding. most of human history, that's not what being a 13 year old was about. It was about growing up and being a man and learning how to survive and, and protect your family and provide for your family and solve actual problems. Amen. And <laughs> what a freaking waste. And well, so, and, yeah, what a freaking waste. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I ran track. Okay. So you, what so you can't run fast unless you're stuck in a classroom. So <laughs> if you're homeschooled, you run all you want, go run down the block Absolutely. 5 million times. <laughs> well, and that is that when you think, I mean, think of that, Lucas, like it is, you think, of how um, it wasn't cool to learn really, but you're at a school and how that impacts was not cool young to learn. people. Yeah. yeah. And how that impacts young people and their view. I mean, we are social creatures. People help us, you know, figure out how to view ourselves. The family can do yep. a better job ultimately, in my opinion. And can, can I ask you really yeah. quick, uh, what mm -hmm. did you major in in college and well, where did you go? I went to Biola University and I was a sociology major. What? One of yeah, one of the one of the more liberal disciplines at Biola University. Um, and which is probably why I bring up some of the issues I brought up. I did study ethnic and minority groups. I did talk about institutional racism. We I was a part of a cultural encounters program there. You know, my mom oh. is a Mexican. She's the daughter of immigrants and I I was a part of a scholarship program there that sought to help students of underrepresented groups of ethnicity at Biola mm -hmm. University succeed and um, that's cool but but one thing that we don't talk about is what public schools have done to to yeah. minority children John Taylor Gatto would argue it's intentional 
Wow. I mean, it's hard to argue against that because it's sure. Hmm. You know, inferring intention. I, I'm not even sure if you need to do that. Yeah, you don't. I, I'm it open. could be accidental. It could I'm be accidental. Open. I'm mm-hmm. open to that. But um, the, let's get into the word conspiracy theory a second, <laughs> because this is a word that I like to concentrate on because people think that it means, well, they talk as if it means false statement. Right. Sometimes people say, oh, is this a conspiracy theory? And th- what they mean is they're asking, is this a false statement? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just prefer to clarify what you're really asking is, yeah. is this false? Mm-hmm. And the way you typically figure out something's false is you look into it and see if, if it's not true. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but a conspiracy theory is just a theory that helps you. It's supposed to help you get at reality. And like all theories, you know, a mm-hmm. conspiracy is just an agreement between two or more people. It's a Latin based word con. Mm-hmm. You know, it implies like company mm-hmm. and via con Dios and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it means that there's at least two people there that agree that there's uh, there's to, to carry out some kind of basic plan could be bank robbery. It could be terrorism. It could be kidnapping. Um, it could be something more innocent, like starting a business mm-hmm. or or. You know, I mean, you typically don't use the word conspiracy. You could mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're conspiring over here to start this business. Yeah, you know, right, exactly. You know, it mm-hmm. could be something innocent, like we're conspiring to surprise Jessica for her birthday party. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, the best explanation for why all these people surprise you on your birthday is because they all agreed on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a mm-hmm. that's a conspiracy thing. Mm-hmm. But so I just say it might he has a conspiracy theory. Yes. And it might be true. Yeah. And but the regardless, the phenomena are still the same. Yeah. And and still a disaster. Yes, the, exactly. <laughs> it could be accidental, but it there, it's still there. The results are still yeah. there. I mean, what did you yeah. witness? What did you witness with graduates of K through 12 education over the years in your in what do you witness in your college classrooms? Because mm. you didn't say in this interview, I think that you were a yeah. professor been impressed right. for 15 years, you know? Mm, yeah. I like how you turned that around on me. I was like, that was very like law enforcement. I love well, that. It was like, you're working for the CIA. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you no, want to no, go no, somewhere else with it that? It was awesome. No, it was awesome. I love that. I was yeah. like, you, you know, I'm like, what agency are you with? And you're like, let's talk about you. <laughs> Who are you No, But uh, yeah, I was uh, teaching for 15 years and um, 185 courses. I actually counted them. Some of oh, them God were in high school. Mm-hmm. Some of them were in high school. I was mm-hmm. sent by the LA Community College District. I was sent into LAUSD high schools to mm-hmm. teach college. Mm-hmm. So I saw it firsthand. I saw the LAUSD. Um, and when I showed up to the LAUSD, um, I actually talked to people. Like, I'm a very curious person. That's why I'm yes. doing this podcast. Yes. And so I'll tell you one example. I, I went to a high school in the Valley. Oh my gosh, the Valley. <laughs> and it was a rough area. It was kind of roughish area. And um, it's like a prison. I mean, my, well, my high school experience was not like this at all. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, my, my high school experience, I don't know what my high school, I haven't been to my high school recently, but my high school experience was, it was an open campus. Yeah. Um, 
that was not paranoid. Mm-hmm. Uh, people watched out for weird, suspicious people. It was kind of a community thing. Like, what's that guy doing over there? It's kind of weird. Now, I also have to say that I was also grew. I grew up. Um, I did not go to Columbine High School, but they were our direct rivals right across the street. And I could have gone there. I was wow. I lived that close. In fact, I lived closer to Columbine than I did my own. Wow. High and it's like a couple of thousand. I mean, it had thousands. Of yeah. Students, right. Those kids, though, would have been able to come onto the high school anyway because they were students there and, okay. and, and, and they were armed and tip, typically you can get into a place if you're armed. <laughs> so yeah, that, funny that's how that not, works. that's not really the, problem. <laughs> but anyway, so, but since the, the, the problem, I like the way I grew up. It was, it was, um, the, my high school Chatfield high school, which is on the very cutting edge of the Rocky mountains. It's mm-hmm. real. We are, a stone's throw away from the first ridge of the Rocky mountains, like as far to the West as you could go without being in the mountains. And it was a lovely, wonderful place to grow. And I, I feel like I got a pretty decent public high school education in terms of that. But when I look back on it, I'm like, I did have excellent teachers, but the social pressures were never to learn as much as I wanted to learn. Yeah. And I was frustrated a lot mm-hmm. and I was so, but so I went into teaching and I'm in LAUSD here as a professor and it's, it's just like a prison. Yeah. There's, it's a funnel. There's only one way in security guards and, and mm-hmm. there's seriously like wrought iron fences around mm-hmm. and there are police there. Yeah. And um, so I'm, I'm getting in and, and everybody with walkie talks is after a professor and I'm like, okay. And I have to be escorted. And, and so the lady that's escorting me is this Hispanic lady. I said, how long have you worked here? She said, oh, you know, X, Y, Z number of years. And she just seemed depressed to me. Mm-hmm. I said, what do you like about working here? She said, nothing, <sighs> nothing. Wow. I mean, mm-hmm. well, so tell me about that. We're walking under a giant mural of Barack Obama's face, mm-hmm. like painted on the wall as if he's Mao Zedong or, you know, Stalin or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't see any Republican stuff anywhere. It's all Democrat propaganda everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the rainbow flags histrionically placed everywhere. I mean, like, I'm telling you, I it, it was like. <laughs> so I'm walking through and I'm like, and she is mis and most people there are miserable. And I'm like, what, uh, this is what I've noticed that the kid, she said, she, she said, can I be honest with you? And I said, please do. I'm not just asking because I'm, I think it's socially awkward to walk 500 feet with you and not say anything. I'm really, in, I'm really concerned that you are so depressed working here. I'm, I'm very concerned about that. And she looked at me like, you're concerned about my feet. She trying to take mm-hmm. it in like, mm-hmm. like she was having an authentic human experience and she, it was so odd. Like it so wasn't foreign. Like, so I, I said, so t- no, tell me, tell me what it is. And she said, there's no discipline here. You can't discipline the kids. You get in trouble for disciplining the kids. And in my culture, that doesn't fly. Mm -hmm. 
So it's totally against the Hispanic culture. And yet the Hispanics mm-hmm. feel like they have to be because it's Barack Obama's face. And they're yeah. told and brown, brown this and brown that and of color. And it's just like you're ignoring rights. What's right in front of you. <laughs> and well, she, and that's I, because she's, got she's a, job, a product of. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, she has she has health well, benefits, but yeah, well, right. That's what matters. Um, she would do a better job. Yes, she would do a better job of educating her children and her grandchildren, and she would discipline them and correct them. And that, I mean, what you said earlier about you were frustrated because you couldn't learn as much you, as you wanted to learn. I had that experience too. I was good at school growing up. I knew how to win the school game, but so much of what you do in school is not actually learning you're, you are trained to almost like, well, here's what you're trained in. You're trained in obedience of thought to authority. You learn how you're, to read. You're, regurg- you're not allowed to say that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. no, no, I mean, it's like, it's yeah. like, it's not, it's not, this is not true. And let me give you some evidence why, and I'm yeah. going to treat you like you're an equal human being. And we both yeah. want to get to the truth and we appreciate mm-hmm. evidence. It's, it's manipulation. Like you see this rainbow flag, you thought marriage was this. Let me tell you, you are a bad person. If you disagree with me yes. and get on the, get on board kid. Yes. And even, even if you agreed with it as a student, your parents are bad people if they disagreed with it and everyone before them and your grandparents. And so you see how that alienation comes. And And what if your parents voted against Barack Obama? Yeah. And his huge freaking face is there (laughs) permanently there. It's not like the school is named after him. I, you know, it wasn't that, you know, it's just like the, the manipulation is like, you better get on board. You, you better see what we're doing here. You know, you are not allowed to disagree with us. And you know what, Lucas, like when, when you're, when you're repeating that Obama's face is on the building, some people might hear that and say, what's his problem with Obama? He's so, <laughs> he's so short sighted, but yeah, what you're... Excellent, this is what I would say to that. Yeah. I would oh, say, okay, fine. Put George Bush's face up there. Right. Yeah. Put Dick Cheney's face up there. Yeah. Fine plaster the faces and then i'll ask you what is your problem right and and it's like you know (laughs) you understand that his face on the wall is actually an endorsement by the state when i yes i when i grew up we didn't have anybody's face on the wall of the high school we did we didn't have george washington's face we didn't have uh john adams or anybody mm-hmm. else not even lincoln we didn't mm-hmm. have that and you know lincoln was a hero mm-hmm. it was we it, that's not how it was it, there were some announcements and stuff like that but it wasn't i don't remember any political propaganda on my high school walls at all yeah yeah and, and you, I, you yeah. Know, I never felt like i was pressured to be one way or the other from the school itself mm-hmm I actually felt like I was pressured to be different from the school itself with regard to my Christian faith. Oh, yes. Okay. And and, what what happened with that? Well, and so 
but I, I agree with you on how times have changed and how it is an endorsement. And I agree that it prevents free thinking because it is actually intimidating children into silence. And I actually think that is the goal or, well, okay, even if it's not the goal, it works. Right. So, um, but in my own experience, uh, I don't think I was harmed by this in a sense that my father, and this is definitely a hat off to any involved parent, no matter where your children go to school. My father, we had great conversations at home, you know, and he, he definitely was like, you're different. <laughs> the school doesn't necessarily share our values. So if the parent is having that conversation with the child, they're more able to handle the onslaught. And, um, there was, it was, you know, looking back, it feels pretty minor, but at the age that I was, it felt like a big deal when we decided, um, a group of our class decided to, um, in a window decorating competition, this is one example, paint a nativity scene at Christmas time. And we won a community. It was the, there were community judges. We actually won Hmm. our class one. I was the one who painted it. But um, like all classes, I was involved in student government and all class officers got to decide what the painting was. And Mm. that was an example. We were ordered to take it down by the principal. Um, Yeah, he was afraid it would. Right. And so but the but the but any other painting could stand. And that was a it was a small example of an anti. It's a really good example. Christian. Yeah you know, and that, and that would, that could happen. And, you know, that was our artwork. Like, aren't we supposed to be able to express ourselves? Right. Right. right? Aren't right. we supposed to be able, aren't we supposed to be creative? And it's just my beliefs, right? Like, can I do that? And so, um, we, uh, we uh, were ordered to take it down and I, you know, kind of petitioned and fought back and it was able to stand, but that that's an example of, <laughs> um, of feeling and I, and that, that's just one example. I felt it in class discussions as well, yes, an anti-Christian, anti-Christian sentiment, but I did have a dad at home that was almost like coaching me through what, it. What, one moment. Okay. So you were saying about your dad and anti-Christian yeah, well, sentiment in public yes. school. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it just connects to what um, you're getting at with the murals on the wall that as not only as, as children, do you, I mean, parents want their children to be able to freely think and um (laughs) what a concept what a concept and um jay gresham machin who wrote christianity and liberalism i think in the 1920s he was writing after compulsory education had been rolled out in the united states because it's important to remember the united states wasn't founded on compulsory with compulsory government education And in fact, the minds that wrote a lot of our founding documents. Oh, hey. Oh, (laughs) oh, look at that. Same same guy. Yeah. So that's it. There you go. Jay Gresham Machen. Well, in his introduction, he calls um, compulsory government education or schooling a soul killing system. And he says a public school system in itself is a good thing, you know, to offer an education to those who need it. But he said it is only going to be of benefit if if competition remains. 
And he says, I should read this quote to you. Um, a public school system, if it means the providing of free education for those who desire it, is a, is a noteworthy and beneficent achievement of modern times. But when once it becomes monopolistic, it is the most perfect instrument of tyranny, which has yet been devised. Freedom of thought in the Middle Ages was combated by the Inquisition, but the modern method is far more effective. Place the lives of children in their formative years, despite the convictions of their parents, under the intimate control of experts appointed by the state. Force them then to attend schools where the higher aspirations of humanity are crushed out and wow. where the mind is filled with the materialism of the day. And it is difficult to see how even the remnants of liberty can subsist. Such a tyranny, supported as it is by a perverse technique used as the instrument in destroying human souls, is certainly far more dangerous than the crude tyrannies of the past, which despite their weapons of fire and sword, permitted thought at least to be free. Wow. It's like he's talking about now. Yeah. It's like, it's amazing how that was, that hasn't changed. He just, he hit the nail on the head. In this, 1920s, in the 1920s. Yeah. This, this, uh, I'm a big fan of old books. This, uh, it's funny you mentioned his name because I was like, oh, I have a book by him and this book. That's cool. I'm going to flip through it here, see the. Oh yeah, look at you. And it's actually really good. I think my actually I think my husband has that book. <laughs> 1923. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure so my says, husband has that book. Yeah. This, this when yes. it was made is 1923. I love old books. Yes. Biblical Greek. Oh, yeah. cool. That's awesome. Yes. What's yes. your he's what, the better student? Now your husband, he you said he was from LA. Yeah. What he's part from of LA? LA. What part of LA? Um, Palos Verdes. <laughs> ah, yes. Uh, the coastal region. So, um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. A pretty, pretty swanky uh, area. A pretty swanky area. Pretty gorgeous. Yeah, pretty uh, cool. Place to grow up in. That's yeah, awesome. And um, um, so you guys married, are you guys in... are together uh, as far as like home on this project. You're totally in sync on this. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. When he brought it up, like I said, it was. Hey, okay. When, you know, when, <laughs> when you've grown up in K through 12 schools, um, yeah. as a female, I, I would venture to say most w women, but I'll speak for myself, I guess you, you feel you need to prove yourself with a career choice. And, yeah. um, now in this feminist effort to say, your value isn't wrapped up in your role as, you know, in having babies and all of that, which is great. That's true. My value is not derived from having babies. You, my value is <laughs> well, also. That's a pretty impressive skill though. I mean, <laughs> it is. Yes. Could, and only I, I can do it. I could try really hard and I would never be able to match that. Well, is that even true anymore though? But, um, <laughs> well, um, Oh, you actually went there, but that's another topic, but, um, yeah, that's another topic. I would say, but, but what wasn't meant, I, I would just say my value also doesn't come from what I can do in the workplace either, or from mm -hmm. what career choice I have. And so where does your value come from then? Um, 
God. My value comes from God, Jesus Christ. I'm created in the image of God and my children are created in the image of God. And therefore they have an innate value. And, um, (laughs) I think that that underlies why I want them to be treated like individual persons and not in a, a mass indoctrination camp, to be honest. Um, now do you have to be a christian to to do homeschooling like what if someone's listening to this in the future and they're thinking yeah i you know hey you're a christian that's great i'm i don't have any problem with that uh i i don't know if there's a god myself um maybe there is i'm not sure do i have to be what if i'm not I don't identify. That's how the kids talk these days. Yeah. I don't identify as religious, particularly. Do I have to be, am I going to be shunned from these communities then? No, no, of course not. Um, My actually, the classical conversations program I mentioned earlier, like I said, I'm one as one of many I participate in that one actually is distinctly Christian. However, there are, thousands of opportunities for homeschoolers who do not identify as Christians and they are more than welcome to participate. In fact, um, the, I mean, I would say it's, it's, I mean, Christianity, religious beliefs are not the number one reason people choose to homeschool. The number one reason right now, according to the U S department of education is the concern about the school environment, safety concerns and bullying and this, the next concern is about the quality of instruction. So the last concern that, you know, that's about 16%, it's for religious beliefs. And in my community of Vancouver, Washington, I mean, the growth of homeschooling is so significant that even the, the community center with tax dollars hosts a secular homeschool co-op. So, oh, wow. yeah, really well. I mean, that's... Be- yeah, I mean, homeschooling is, I think I mentioned the fastest growing form of education in the United States. It now c- accounts for about 11% of K through 12 students. Hmm. And so when the fear of, um, will my child have opportunities to do sports and will they just be a total outcast? Is there anywhere for them to go for help? I'm not a Christian. Can I find a secular group? Yes, yes, yes. There's the, the, the free market has answered and there are sports for your child. There are non-Christian groups for you to join. There are as many, I mean, you have the opportunity to homeschool your child, however you see fit. And um, you probably understand that your child is an individual. (laughs) (laughs) You probably understand that they're unique with, if you wouldn't say it's God-given talent and ability, you might just say they have talent and ability or mm-hmm. even special needs, even with, and yeah. that you would understand that um, with homeschooling, you can actually help them thrive in a way they might not in traditional systems. Wow. So, so sp- special needs kids, how do they, how do you guys handle that? Yeah. For, well, for special needs, uh, children, yeah. Children with special needs. That's a, it's a, there are a lot of families who choose to home educate for that reason as well. Okay. My community welcomes children with special needs. And um, I think one of the reason that children with special needs seem to thrive in a 
I mean, there's a lot of reasons in a homeschool environment, but one of them is the one-on-one ratio oh. of a parent student, you know, if yeah, you don't the, get that the icon- with public school. Yeah. And I mean, a- that's pretty hard to compete with it. I think that's why. Well, with public school, there's can- a bureaucracy, mm-hmm. right? There's a bureaucracy mm-hmm. in support of allegedly in support of that. And there's room and there's mm-hmm. people there and there's, yeah. you can drop them off and you can sue them if they screw your child up, like if they hurt your child, but well, actually right. not like physically. I mean, they, <laughs> you screw up your child mentally and they can't sue them, but no, what, I mean, what you're going to say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, your yeah. Your child can graduate from 12th grade without being able to read and no yeah, one you can't sue them for it. Yeah. You no. can't sue them for that. Um, no. <laughs> so I, I would just say that the, the one-on-one ratio, or even if you have 10 children, a one on 10 ratio, it's just so far you can't compete with that in the public school system unfortunately and yeah a child with a child with special needs absolutely benefits all children benefit from a direct um feedback icon and active there's this term um i think it's academic engagement time aet and Mm. people would say that you know there's there's research to show that that's directly correlated with growth, you know, in the classroom. And so if you're in a class of 30 kids, or even if you're in a class of 10 kids and the teacher calls on Johnny and he answers that 10 seconds that she's directing to him is, is, is engagement time, AET, right? And that's when hmm. he's having the most progress, hmm. but the teacher can't provide that all the time to all 30 Um, a mother or a father or a tutor can do far better there's an immediate you know totally engagement but Mm. like from a business perspective i'm just thinking i'm like trying to crunch the numbers here Mm -hmm. and just the numbers don't add up for me i'm like it's so help me out with this it's like six hundred dollars a year how in the world can you buy to have that ratio yeah Yeah. i mean what what something's got to give on that how do you so do you mean something's got to give on oh yeah what what suffers well i mean i guess that's what i was something that's the budget doesn't seem to be there yeah i guess that's what i was alluding to with the my husband and i matching up on homeschooling i i i i think that god helped me reach a point where my child's well-being and i'm not saying that (laughs) that all parents have to reach this and that any decision they make that's different than me is not good for them or their children. But it's, you know, I think I believe in choice for parents. Um, I think that's pro-choice. most important. I'm pro-choice for parents in education. <laughs> and See, I, I tried to box you in there and you just weaseled, you weaseled out of there like jujitsu. Yes. <laughs> jujitsu is great. Um, I, I would say I did have to come to a place where I was willing to consider the personal sacrifice of career mm. for home education. I, yeah. not all, not all parents have to make that. They have to get creative. Um, they have to get creative and they are, they are getting creative. Like I said, I homeschool with single mothers. I homeschool with moms who work three part-time jobs 
and their husband works and their grandparents help. You have to, <laughs> if you, if you reach this point where the education of your child and what we're talking about is like the true learning that you, that you longed for in school and the free thinking that your child is longing for and just where the sky is the limit, then you will tend to make sacrifices to make that happen. And then once you reap the benefits of that, you'll keep doing it. And so that's, you know, I think that you could do, I think ordinary people can give their children an extraordinary education with just a library pass and Wi-Fi. I do. I do not disagree with you on that. I, because I think it's about the attitude. I see, I see my own students I can't tell you how many times I've been on campus and I'm on a Friday, I'm just going to walk through and see what people are doing on a Friday. I'm just going to walk through campus. I'm going to walk through the library yeah. and I'm going to pay careful attention to what people are actually doing in the <laughs> library. First of all, I'm going to pay careful know. attention to who's in the library. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just describing, I'm just noticing. It's amazing how squirmy people get when you know that you're just describing something, right? (laughs) It's like, if you were at a Klan rally and I just notice you're all white, I just noticed that Uh I'm not saying Mm -hmm. all white people are Klan members. I'm just saying, you know, there's not a lot of black people applying to be a part of that club because, uh, they're, they wouldn't be allowed to be a part of the club. <laughs> so say the least, <laughs> you know, but I don't know how they tell because they're wearing those hoods. I guess maybe you could yeah, anyway, but so I notice it's mostly Asians in the library on a Friday mm-hmm. and that's a shocker. That's a real shocker. Mm-hmm. I'm not really shocked, mm-hmm. but I'm just describing mm-hmm. And I just like I would walk through the the parking lot at Pepperdine and I've looked at the kind of cars that kids are driving and they're like Audis and BMWs and Mercedes. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's that's the way it should be. I'm just saying that's the way it, is. How it is. And when mm-hmm. I walk through the parking lot of L.A. City College and or uh, walk through the parking lot of L.A. Mission College, which is in Silmar, which is a. Uh, the swanky area of Pocoima, Pocoima which is a rough area in LA. I think anybody would drive through there and see, yeah, this, this area has seen better days. I don't see BMWs in Lexi and that's the plural of Lexus. <laughs> Mercedes. And I don't see that <laughs> when I get to the place where the faculty and administration of these campuses are, they are definitely driving those kind of cars. So yeah, mm. but not the students. The students aren't driving those. At Pepperdine, the students drive better cars than I had when I was teaching there <laughs> for over wow. 10 years. Mm-hmm. But I'm just describing. My point is I'm just walking through. I'm, I'm seeing it's mostly Asians. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm also noticing what people are doing. They're on social media. They're goofing off. They're not digging deep uh, typically. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying they don't get anything done. I'm just saying... Um, there's not this insatiable curiosity. Like I have to know, I have to know. I can't handle it. I have to know, which is how I was. Like I, when I went into the Navy, I finished my bachelor's degree when I was in the Navy. I went to a Christian college too in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. I went to Wayland Baptist university in Hawaii. 
And I had to kick, claw, fight, and scratch for everything in my undergrad because I was working full time. And I went to school at night and on and on Saturdays. And I was just, I couldn't get enough of it. I, I just, I, I would just, so, and I didn't have social media. So who knows how it would have been? It was, you know, before that. But um, I, you know, it, it's, um, it's all about the attitude. And if you can con- contribute that to your kid, like give them the confidence that this is really in your hands. You can't blame the teacher. You know, if you don't know something and you didn't even try, or maybe you didn't try hard enough, maybe some of this stuff, but I, I think someone might be wondering like a little bit later, uh, they were listening to this and Jessica, they might be wondering, I didn't hear you say anything about math. I didn't hear you say anything about science. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering, do you follow the science, Jessica? <laughs> do you... What is good science? Science well, how is are they getting the that? constant do... search for accurate information. That's what our kids learn in our program. Um, we, okay. That's a good, I like that. Let me write that down. Yeah, the constant search for accurate information our kids learn in our program. We cover, I mean, our program, we cover all the, we cover geography, Latin, science, history, English, um geography am i forgetting something geography so, mm-hmm. just getting a pen that works here mm-hmm. so well mm-hmm. i was gonna you say, ask you something oh go ahead go ahead i'll ask after go ahead oh okay well i was just gonna say rhetoric mm-hmm. i think that's what you said was for the uh high school high okay mm-hmm. does that include the science that you're saying and the geography and Oh, yes, it includes physics and calculus and calculus and yes, and they start logic in eighth grade. And here's the thing I was going to ask. Yeah, they start logic in eighth grade. We've already are working on Latin, but they'll go more in depth in Latin in junior high and high school and they do physics. And yeah, they so here's here's what. What you just said, and I'm curious, I'd like you to answer this question. You you didn't forget what you were going to ask me, right? Yeah, that's what I'm going to ask you for fun. When you're talking about that insatiable desire to learn and pass it on, do you think you had that desire because you're white? Well, actually, I'm black. (laughs) I'm black and I'm also a woman. So, oh. do you think that's what, why you have that? Oh, you're stereotyping me. You're saying just because mm-hmm. I have a deep voice. No, I see I'm where sorry. I see where this is coming from. <clears throat> well, that's a great question, Jessica. I was because just I... I was just illustrating the absurdity of the self ID <laughs> no. movement where yeah. you self ID yes. into a that. group. Yeah, you, you caught you. that. You're mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we well, yes. Um, no, I don't think. Um, I don't think so. Um, that I don't think I don't that either. ever came into my mind because I know so no. many so-called white people that don't have those properties. It's certainly not a no. sufficient condition for being curious. And mm-hmm. it's not necessary a condition for being curious too, because I've noticed that there's people that are other ethnicities, other races um, that seem to be curious. And I've met them. I've met them firsthand. And, um, mm-hmm. you seem to be curious. You said that your grandmother yeah. was from, is it Mexico? 
Yes, She's my actually grandfather from, Mex- from Mexico. My grandfather, grandfather immigrated, came when he was 17, and he joined uh, the U.S. military. That's how he got his citizenship, fighting in World War II and the Korean oh. War. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And he, yeah, he won a medal, actually, for doing it. And oh. yeah, I, I, well, what I'm getting at is that I agree with you that I think you're saying that real learning actually happens when there's a desire. And I think that. How do you get that desire though? How do you get them in students? Is it genetic? Is it? So that's what I'm getting you, at. Okay. You have a kid and he comes. So your kids are different, right? They have different personalities. I guess. And I guess they're <laughs> even different. Yeah. No, they're I mean, so they different. The and every parent <laughs> and every parent would tell you they're so different. Gosh, they're in, mm-hmm. you wouldn't even know they have the same two parents or they're, that they're related at all. They're so different. <laughs> and um, can you impart think- that? Can you impart the curiosity in all of them? I think you cannot kill it. I think, I think that you, I think that the, I think that children have it naturally Mm. and I am seeing the beauty of what happens when you don't kill it in K through 12. Oh, wow. Does that make sense? That's a big, that's a big value bomb that you just, if you, if you visited my homeschool community, whether it's the classical Christian one, whether it's the homeschool resource center where they, or whether it's the steam, we have a whole steam homeschool group where it's all focused on science, technology, um, engineering, math and art actually, you know, and, um, Oh, art too. Cool. Yeah. 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 You oh, yeah we art. do. We, we focus on the fine arts in our program as well. So, well, we're looking for a liberal arts education, obviously that's what we're after in our, in RCC. But like I said, you don't want, you want you... to produce liberal people who are, art people? <laughs> <laughs> we want to produce well-rounded okay. seekers of truth, not, not necessarily art gallery owners. In yeah, no, Soho. good distinction though. Good. Okay. Oh, so. <laughs> yeah. I gotcha. Good distinction though. So I, Lucas, if you visited these groups of homeschoolers, whether you're in the South or you're in Washington or you're in DC or you're in New York or you're in the UK, because I've reached out to families in the UK, if you're, you will find that to quote John Taylor Gatto again, genius is as common as dirt. And what Whoa. we have done, genius what is we as have, common as dirt. Wow. Yeah. Now this guy Gatto, I'm a yes. little worried because we love him <laughs> so much. I'm just worried that we're going to no. discover he was a pedophile. There's some. Yes. Vox, I do Vox think he did has, an expose and you yeah. know, he was turning it yeah. out. He was KKK and he was. Yeah. Well, he, he was wasn't a KKK, but I do. I do think you should be suspicious because he's, he, he has some things that are. Um, he has some interesting ideas. He was also just good at saying things for a punch. And those are the punches that I'm quoting, you know, but what, but what he did right and why he won awards was because he took these children in Queens that everybody said had no opportunity and could never escape their social class. And he blew them out of the water, but it wasn't him. It was the kids doing it. He set them free. Mm. He basically said, here's a pass, leave my classroom and go find an apprenticeship in something you want to learn. Here's a pass, go study what you want to study. And so what I'm getting at is that there was, he actually realized that STEM itself was stifling the genius in his students. And he was trying to do at the end of his career, anything he could to, Mm. to what you're saying, encourage the curiosity. And I, 
now that I've been in the homeschool and a homeschool environment for about seven years and in a variety of different communities that are very diverse when you put them together, I can now see a little bit of what he's talking about that I didn't know existed because of the environment I grew up in in K through 12 hmm. public schools. It's that children are naturally curious. They want to know, they want to understand the world around them. They want to go after newer and deeper, 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 deeper. Why, why, why questions of understanding and how it connects. And they want to form connections between history and the present day. And they want to form, go ahead. I'm rambling. Just call me a goat. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I was just a little puzzled. You said that kids ask why. Every <laughs> yeah. every small little kid I've ever met doesn't say why. They oh, say they've never heard they it. Say, they say I know the answer to everything. <laughs> really? Yeah, every little kid, like even babies coming out of the womb, they oh. they, they don't cry. They just say oh, yeah. I already know. <laughs> I had to catch that. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't wonder. I know. So, I you know, I've never heard a kid ask why. Like yeah, I'm doing exactly. something. I've never had a kid go, why? I, I, I hear them say, <laughs> I already know what is happening. Mm -hmm. And I know why that does that. And I already understand. No, you're totally <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, kids are, yeah. <laughs> they, they they are, are exactly. they're so annoying how much they ask why, but it's actually exactly. kind of cool. So and yeah, you I could, not... you could stomp that out. I mean, well, you could, you could, you the, do. The, if there's you enough could. pressure, because kids yes. want to fit in too. Yes. Yes. And so certainly there are, there are kids who overcome it. You know, mm -hmm. they get labeled the top student, their parent yeah. encourages them. Right, right, right. So then they're like, oh, this is my identity. I'm going to rock it and I'm never going to stop. But yeah. for the vast majority or for those in a certain class, they take on this other identity. I'm remedial. I'm whatever, you know, I, I'm going to live into that. And so mm. what I, I really did not understand what right. children were capable of until I saw children who had never entered that system. Wow. Yes. And they're brilliant. They're <laughs> amazing thinkers. They blow my mind. And I think that the most revolutionary yeah. thing some parents could do right now is homeschool their children. Hmm. So Absolutely. that's my, I do. I think it's revolutionary. And here's an example of, Hey, what about me? I never took physics in high school. How can I make sure my children have a good physics education? You know what? Something like that. I mean, yeah. yeah what if, what, you, what, what if that's a concern? I mean, yeah. Well, and that's why I brought up earlier that even um, the U S department of education has found this and the national home education research Institute. And it's definitely true in my case, in my own personal observations that students are not held back by in, in the homeschool environment, their parents level of education has no, has no, it has it's almost no, too it, good to, it's almost too good to be true. It's almost too good yeah. to believe. I, I feel like I want to have that hope and it's well, like, you know, it's kind of like hoping that I got something for Christmas and then you didn't get it. You know, but you, it you got like, down. A, I yeah. hoped I would get coal. Actually, yes. it sounds too good. But I, I never and got I, coal. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm supposed to get coal that... in my stocking. Coal is valuable. <laughs> yeah. I, I always wanted a, a lump of coal. I was like, this is an option. Oh I, so gosh, I just have to be so bad enough. Funny. Hold on. Okay. So I was just angry and bad all the time. I was on spray. I spray spray painting underpasses. I did everything I could to get that lump of coal to just, you know, get us through the winter. That's, that's yeah. heat. 
and uh, I got some stupid beeping toy. (laughs) I guess we can't now use this for like conservative people because no, I didn't beep it. I I beeped it out. (laughs) I beeped it out. Yeah. Well, I think it all boils back to what you said about your desire to learn. And if you have the desire and if it hasn't been squashed and you, you haven't believed the lie that it's not cool and that you're incapable of it, Mm. you'll soar. And so, um, so it's about confidence too. mm -hmm. And families are going to provide the best feedback on that. You know, they have this, if you have this unconditional love for your child and you think there's, you know, you, the sky's the limit, you're going to reinforce that thinking in your child that a school might not. What about sports? What about yeah, physical uh, ed, physical education, developing the bodies, mm-hmm. the, you know, make sure those muscles develop well. So they're not like yeah. all deformed yeah. when they're 30. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, Put some biceps uh-huh. on these kids. We, you know, make you them know, climb our... some ropes. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. I, I, make I... them learn martial arts or something. What do you guys do for that? Well, we personally, my son actually does jujitsu with my husband at a gym. <laughs> so martial arts, yeah, there you go. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. Is that during my what what's what time of day is that? Um, he goes in the evening after we've done mm-hmm. some, okay. you know, multiple times a week. Um, the average homeschool family is involved in more than two activities outside the home every single week. And sports are not off limits for homeschoolers. But, um, but again, parents are creative at meeting the needs of their children, and they care more about their children's health than any institution could. So they, if they can't afford it. So my son likes to run. He doesn't That's what like I was going to ask is affording because jujitsu costs money. Jujitsu costs it, it, it real. It's very expensive. There's, you know, yeah. there's okay. So my son likes to run and doesn't have an interest in a lot of tr- conventional sports. When my husband realized he liked to run, he started a run club and every <laughs> single Monday for over a year, he has led a group of homeschoolers running two miles or more every week for over so a year. It started. There's to, an mm-hmm. adult present so that they're supervised and, you know, nobody's yeah. getting run over by a bus or whatever. Yeah. And okay. he's invited coworkers to help it out and other dads to come when they can. He okay. even works overtime and uses comp time to make sure he doesn't miss that sort of thing. Or he tag teams and has another parent fill in when he can't make it. That's an example of a free, consistent sports, like team, like mm-hmm. activity that we facilitate that anybody can do anywhere. We run it. We ran in the hail on Monday. We ran oh, in the wow. hail. <laughs> so we're not even limited by weather. <laughs> um, How do you make sure go- the kids are running the rest of the week, though? Because I well, mean, I ran, cr- I ran cross country yeah. in yeah. high school, and yeah. we had to run every day. We didn't yeah, have a choice. Well, yeah, you don't. Yeah, and I, I will say, um, most states, thanks, to, thanks in part to Tim Tebow, who was a homeschool student in high school. I, I never knew that. Oh yeah. So there's something called the, yeah. Tim Tebow was homeschooled all the way through high school. I don't follow sports. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't know who won the world series last year. Was he he in the world series? (laughs) 
no, no. Um, he was a football player and an NFL player for those who don't know for a little bit. Oh. And now he's really more like a public Awkward. speaker and, um, and uh, philanthropist. I'm not really sure how you would describe him now, but he, um, is he the guy with the big the hair that, that, that takes a knee? Is he that guy? The big hair? I do. And the, takes no. a knee? <laughs> no, slightly off. You're slightly off on that. Okay. Um, yeah. So he, when he was in high school, I think um, his in Florida, his parents fought for him to be able to be on the public school football team. And really, wow. Uh, and there was basically what became known as the Tebow law where you pay your taxes. So you should have equal access. And what about equal opportunity for all, right? So you should have equal access to public sports programs or public school sports programs. And so homeschoolers in almost every state can join any sports team at public schools they want to join. They can also get any sort of um, therapy that they want for special children with special needs if they want, if they don't have the means and they think that that's the right avenue. Is this for Florida only or is this? No, no. I mean, it's his, his, you know, the Tebow law and his fight. I'm, I'm, I think that was. I don't want to, it may be early 2000s. I'm not really sure on that, but it really kind of catapulted and it, it, it spread not with that name okay. in almost all the states. So, um, it's, I didn't know there's, that. Yeah. There are less barriers for homeschoolers joining sports teams. There's also, it's common for Christian schools to welcome homeschoolers onto their teams because they want to beef up their athletics program. Um, so for those, and I, I'm definitely sensitive to the fact that sports and private leagues and things like that are insanely expensive and not everyone yeah. has the means to do that. So, um, well, yeah. And then also the, the issue of like, if you're going to be a, if you're good enough to go into the pros, mm-hmm. um, I think typically what happens is the, the, I think it's a college that scouts out it's colleges that do that. And they go to public high school football games mm-hmm. i think or they mm-hmm. look at stats or something mm-hmm. i don't know how it works but didn't he go did he go to college tim tebow did I he play football uh, in college he, i yeah is that where the heisman he he won some famous trophies and i should know before i should but um that's well, very he did, rare and for, he, to go from high school to football I mean, yeah NFL. yeah that, he that's did, he did call, but happens. i want to say he didn't finish and then but he was he okay. was drafted in the NFL and he didn't stay in the NFL very long, but, um, oh, okay. but, but he, th- um, he thinks for himself, he's got a reputation for thinking for himself, right? Yes. And not he has conforming. A reputation. Yes. He has a reputation no for not conforming. No wonder. I mean, so, what happens is when you, when you know to look for it, Lucas, you end up seeing it everywhere. You see these entrepreneurs, you see these Ooh, entrepreneurs. Yeah. And you realize all the yeah, sudden, that's a like, good point. Oh, and so there's something you have that to think independently. To- if you're an entrepreneur, you can't just go, no. what do they do? I do that. Yeah. yeah. You know, you have to that, think in that creatively. voice, in that voice. Too. Yeah. <laughs> How did yeah, you start think- Apple, Steve Jobs? Well, I look at what they do and I do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, and that's you, you hear these stories of, oh, and he dropped out of college and, oh, he never went to school. And fit, Benjamin Franklin in. taught himself, you know, Benjamin Franklin taught himself. George Mark, Washington taught school. Yeah. Mark, how did you start Facebook? Tell us that story. Well, I've tried to fit in and no. it was all about fitting in. That's mm-hmm. what it did. And then the Facebook <laughs> happened. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it illustrates the point well. Yeah. Yes. You, you're going to find that when you don't stifle that creative genius, maybe you're going to find you have more entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, creating businesses, which I, mm-hmm. which employ people and give them yes, a living. And solve problems. Yes. They pay they taxes, problems. which support the yes. firefighters and the police and the teachers, uh, the teachers <laughs> which I'm a teacher, so I get it. Yes. Yeah, we get it. Totally. We I totally get it. Get it. I want to be paid bit. too. Hey. Yeah. And we want you to be paid. And I, um, there is a service provided there. There's a lot of great teachers out there working hard. And I think they're just as frustrated yes. as anybody when they, in this system, you know, and there's yes, parents that's right. who that's care, true. you know, who care Absolutely. very deeply. And they're mm-hmm. as frustrated and they're trying yep. to have a say in their kids' education. I um, think there's a lot of people that are stuck in the middle and they feel like they're in a spider web and they yes. can't get out of it. And they're like, yes. I see what you're saying, Jessica. You seem like a nice person. You're mm-hmm. saying a lot of, you're checking a lot of boxes for me, but like practically speaking. So it's great to, if, if, if we were, so I'm going to write this description up when mm-hmm. we publish this. And so I would love if you would give, give me some websites and stuff that I can put on this description, but do you have any off the top of your head? You don't have to give them now. You could just email them to me, but okay, uh, I off the top of my head. I mean, the homeschool legal defense association, which is, hslda.org is a nonprofit that provides a great deal of free information on homeschool laws in every state, how to, you know, file a letter of intent, which is typically required to start homeschooling in many states, how to complete a transcript for your child when they're in high school and you want them to get accepted to college. Wow. How to, yes, they provide homeschool. How do you get the transcript? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so many, and, and, you know, in my community, homeschoolers put on these classes for free to help other homeschoolers be successful, but homeschool, there's a lot of free um, stuff out there. Yes. There's a lot of free stuff. That's why I said, if you have Wi-Fi, it used to, this wouldn't have been the case, but in this time right. in 2022, you, you can facilitate a good, inf- you know, a good education for your child without much, but um, another website is Ambleside online i want to say it's dot org as well but i could ambleside online is a website how do you spell it ambleside a m b l e s i d e online and they provide what's called a charlotte mason education she had she wrote books on the philosophy of education and she it's generally a it's a classical program as well and it is Ambleside Online provides completely free resources for K through 12 for anybody that wants to go there. I mean, um, they even purposely maybe use books sometimes that are past copyright just so that they can provide it free as an alternative for, for, so that money is no object. And then classicalconversations.com obviously refers to the program I do um, once a week and parents, you know, Sometimes to cover the tuition, they will just receive the free training to be a tutor and then tutoring covers their tuition and they participate. So, um, 
And you don't have to be a you don't have to be a racist to be part of you don't possible have to be a racist. Okay, I know. Because I yeah, I was worried that I'd be rejected. I know. On I know. That, so I know. Okay. I know. Don't let anybody tell you different. It's um, the plenty of American families and families around the world are realizing that they can pull their children out and educate them very well at home. Now, I we didn't get into this, but what about like, well masks and stuff well how do you deal with that like what if people um you know by the way it's a, uh, yeah. do you mind wearing a mask for the rest of this interview just because i feel a little bit i don't i'm not sure how the internet works but i just feel like it might be some of through the speakers maybe some of it's coming out i'll i'll wear one too let me find let me see. that would make me feel more safe uh, um, i'm just going to do this i'm going to cover my mouth that talking. that's what it's really about is having your I'm face just, covered I'm with anything really concerned about your safety yeah thank you i appreciate that yeah well as far as mask wearing go i would guess that the reason one of the reasons homeschooling grew so much in the last two years is because of mask rules and i would guess that um, well actually the are US they still Depart- in force are they still there well washington was the last standing <laughs> uh it's like it's Beacon like of pe- safety. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. I, I, I know this is controversial. It's Un- so unlike controversial. everything else we've said, we've only done right. <laughs> so, but we're getting into some controversy here now for the first yeah. time in our conversation. Um, and I personally think this is my personal view. It has nothing to do with the web, the, the, uh, Republican professor podcast, which is also just my personal view. And I'm worried about being <laughs> fired by myself later having a meeting where I'm called in to my meeting with me. And Tread I go, lightly. you know, <laughs> such a wonderful thing when I don't have to just censor mm-hmm. myself. So it's just great, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to let it rip. I think that when I see these kids with masks on, I feel like it's child abuse. Yeah. That's my view because I think that so much of kids requires them to see faces and like what they're going through, they're developing. And um, I, I think it's an abuse of power for big people to tell little people wear this on your face. And um, otherwise you're a vector of disease and you're going to kill somebody. I just think that that is so manipulative and so it's such a, I cannot even imagine what that does to a kid, what they're dealing with, what they're dealing with already. They're already so. Yeah. Well, and you're going to have, you have the results of it already. You have the results in social anxiety, depression. You have the results in speech impediments. You have a, you know, in delays that are happening. Like what we were talking about, the eye contact, the face, the seeing each other and immediate feedback. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, they're this, I mean, yeah, the psychological ramifications, I can't even begin to understand, but, um, you know, so you did ask, people, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, well, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You're well, sorry. yeah, you did ask what we do about it. I will say, um, my personal choice was to allow my children to breathe. So <laughs> I participated in activities that allowed them to breathe and show their beautiful faces and to see beautiful faces. 
That said, if a parent has a different conviction on that, I understand that the parent is the best, I believe, you know, person to rule their family and the free market provided a lot of space for, I, I have heard of communities, homeschool communities that met and they were all masked and they were socially distanced. And then there were communities that weren't. And so I, you could find what you were looking for if okay. you felt that it was there, if it was needed for your safety. I will say personally, okay. Okay. I, and this is very controversial. <laughs> I was never under the illusion that any of this was for my safety mm-hmm. because I was pregnant. I was newly pregnant when 2020 started. And that's right. You have a one and the, a half year old. Wow. Yes. And how long ago did your one and a half year old, how long ago was your one and a half year old born? <laughs> well, you know, I'm home, I, you know, the math. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, do, uh, I do this. I, Jessica, I, 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 I will walk up to a family in the grocery uh-huh. store and ask, how do you guys all know each other? Oh, that's so funny. And, and just, just to see know, how people my kids, respond. I love it. I love it. I never get sick so of it. Good. Well, keep I've, doing it. There's twins in my class and I go, how many twins do you have? I don't understand. <laughs> They're just going to be constant twins so popping good. up here. Hey, sorry, that's Jessica. So great. No, that's so great. Well, and I, I do, I love that what you're saying when you chime in and you're having conversations in the elevator and everywhere, <laughs> you know, as a homeschooler, we love that because we recognize that our, we're trying to raise our children to be a part of the community and be a part of community life. And that many voices from many directions and have a place in their upbringing. So anyway, I love that. Um, but I would say I was pregnant when um, the yeah. case one was announced in Washington, supposed case one. And so hmm. um, when lockdowns happened and I was not allowed to see my doctor or midwife for my safety, but the planned parenthood down the street was kept open for abortions. Ooh. I, I'll never, I, that was how it started for me. You can't unremember that. No. And it was, we're not safe to see whatever happened to prenatal care being important, right? Is it important? Because if it is, and if my health and safety or the health and safety of my child has any significance, then I would be able to see my licensed doctor who would, would arguably know how to wear PPE. Hmm. I would be able to see my licensed doctor or get an ultrasound, but was I able to because of lockdowns? No. But I was able to walk into a Planned Parenthood oh, clinic. Let me guess the gun store was shut too. Yeah, exactly. And let me guess the churches were closed, but the tobacco shop yeah, and the, the liquor store right next to it was closed. open. Oh yeah, the liquor and store so, is open though. Yeah, Because so, that's essential. You don't understand. That's essential. You don't understand. Exactly. So my my child's prenatal care, prenatal care was not essential to the government. Mm-hmm. The bookstore was but, closed. I know my favorite used bookstore Mm -hmm. was shut down. I could not believe it. I was like, Hmm, books are now vectors of disease. Wow. 
Oh, but Amazon is open. Oh, yeah. I see. Oh, interesting. Amazon. Amazon. Yes. So, but we're for the little guy. We're really concerned about the little. <sighs> yeah, guy. we we actually, you know, that's when you realize that the state's lifeblood is your fear and dependence, and mm. so. Competition. If, it's all about competition. It's all about you've competition. Got, you have to protect the competition. That's the role of mm -hmm. the government to yeah. get out of the way and in, and and protect the competition. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's well, that's what role. you think, but you're outnumbered. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but homes. So how did you get will... your care that you needed? How did what whatever happened oh. with that? Oh, I your mean, kid... I wasn't able to see my midwife for for more than half my pregnancy. I don't think or something. But then I. Then I, then they lifted it and then Not we were legally. able to see each other. Yeah. We, we could talk on the phone and do telehealth appointments. Um, you know, they did that with hospice patients. They did telehealth appointments That's really with hospice bad. patients. I mean, don't those, even get those old people, those old people. I can't <laughs> yeah. even imagine. We yeah. already feel like we throw old people away. We do. Certain cultures does. more than others, certain cultures yes. more than others. Yes. I don't yes, see it as much in the Asian community. I agree. But, you know, I, I just it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And it's so unfair for these people. It's I just happen. I mean, I didn't. My grandpa lives in Ventura County. I saw him on I, I spoke to the Conejo Valley Republican Women Federation on Friday, March. I believe it was the 13th. I think it was Friday, the 13th of 2020. Wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um it was the, we had it, we snuck it in right, right before the, uh, shutdown yeah. orders. Mm -hmm. And I saw my grandpa, he, he was not worried at all about anything. And, um, he, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he's 99 at that time he was 96, but he, you know, he, um, and then mostly old people there, older people. Yeah. And they, they were all like, so frustrated with being told what they could do can't go outside give me a break mm -hmm. that the, 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 it was ridiculous what they were being ordered to do and my grandpa's yeah, got a go couple outside. of my okay. my grandpa has a story of sleeping in his car at the hospital because he had to care he had to get care but he couldn't get in he's sleeping oh, in the car he's like right. he's a world war ii veteran this is how they were treating people. So they, oh, yeah. So, I mean, and that, yeah, they, they rewrote Medicare standards, I think, when the lockdown happened. And I volunteer as a nursing home chaplain. And so mm. I saw a decline, obviously, oh. in, in the seniors in the facility. I bring oh, my children man, along to volunteer. Me. It is. It's so brutal. It's so, it's so devastating what we've done as a society and what we've allowed. But, you know, we're well-schooled people. We know how to obey orders, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. um, I, I mean, life, I didn't, I just, I, I never stopped going out. I was the only yeah. guy on the highway, I guess. I, I couldn't believe yeah. how many people, and when people were talking about the lockdown, I was like, wait, what, you, what, what lockdown are you talking yeah. about? Right. I, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an American. I yeah. you can't tell me where to go and not to go. Yeah. You're from another, you know, you, it, it, it really all connects to what we're talking about is like a freedom of thought and um, yeah. freedom. I of just coercion. didn't believe, I guess I just didn't believe that for most people, this virus, the way it was working was based on what I 
were heard people saying, I heard people saying conflicting things. And so I, I, I didn't believe that seemed to be uncontroversial that, um, that the Dems were in hyper concerned. And actually even Bill Maher said this recently, he said that Dems thought that some crazy proportion of the population would be possibly hospitalized. Right. Um, and Republicans were much more close to the actual number, which is really low percentage. And what I'm really concerned about is now censorship on YouTube. Um, mm -hmm. Because my grandpa's church was one of the first ones to reopen Godspeak Calvary Chapel in Thousand Oaks. Rob McCoy was the mm -hmm. pastor. Mm -hmm. They got fined. I think there was maybe an arrest. I know there was at least tickets and fines. And um, they were very thoughtful. They had doctors come on a YouTube program that was like, I think, you know, it was a couple. I don't know if it was every night, but it was several times a week, it seems like. And they were just talking. It might have been once a week. I can't remember, but it was it was regular. And 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 I watched a couple of them and you could go for they would talk about the data might have been once a week i can't remember but it was it was lots of videos i know that mm -hmm. and um and then youtube took them all down and they were very thoughtful conversations about data and about biblical values and about uh their understanding of, of political philosophy and the role of government it was it was a very thoughtful conversation and just was too much for youtube yeah so you know, yeah, it's, well, it's mm -hmm. sad that I, cause I'm going to put this on YouTube. It's sad that I have to think about possible censorship from YouTube, which is run by Democrats. That's not controversial to say. Mm -hmm. um, it's not Republicans that are censoring anybody. It's, mm -hmm. it's Democrats and they don't want the conversation and they don't want people to be able to learn. They definitely don't want kids to pop into there and, and come to their own beliefs, which kind of right. goes and fold that into everything you just said. Right. So Jessica, um, you did you ever send your kids to public school? I never did. So you had these beliefs from the very beginning of your pregnancy or how long? Um, my how beliefs long? about homeschooling. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I really think that God transformed my thinking from what I actually grew up with because I had pretty, I was probably judgmental and unfair to homeschooling. I didn't know much. <laughs> I knew, you know, and I, I knew a few families in my church and they were great and they were friends, but you just believe that, well, but I couldn't pass that on because mm -hmm. the experts have to pass that on. So if yep. I'm going to, you know, trust in experts, yeah. exactly. I did Who, when I was an to, expert though. How do right. you tell? <laughs> yeah. What if the experts right. disagree and, with each other, which they do. Right. All the time. And right. Which is what you're referring to in that conversation that that church wanted to provide God bless them. I mean, yeah. I, I don't want to appear to your audience insensitive to that demographic that was harmed by COVID. I lost an aunt in the hospital to mm. COVID and I am still grieving that, but, but what you're getting at with your grandfather and everything is that most of these measures were not in the name of public health and the lack of conversation about around it. Like you said, what the church tried to provide, um, shows that. And I think that anytime we violate someone's freedom to make their own decision with their health or anything else, we are really dehumanizing them. Mm -hmm. 
And I saw that play out with the seniors in the facility. They are, like you said, discarded, discarded. They're, they are just, and I do think you're dehumanizing children in a sense too, throughout this whole thing. And so obviously my goal is to lift them up and help them be who God intended them to be. But I didn't always hold that view. I think God has slowly changed my view and is always teaching me new things. I am curious. So I'm always learning. <laughs> Were you always curious? How did you become curious? I was curious about certain things. I was good at school, the school game, doing the busy work and getting the right answers, which isn't true learning in my opinion. But, mm. um, but I participated in extracurricular activities. The school game. I like that. Yeah. I the school game. <laughs> yeah. I participated getting the right answers. Getting the right thinking. answers. Yeah. Okay. Oh gosh. It was, it's just, it's, it's something you, you cracked a code. Yeah. And, and I knew and how to do it. Well. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. And then you get the grades. Yeah. Okay. And I think I, I went to college and realized, oh, this doesn't actually mean I'm wise or educated at all, actually. It just, well, that's means a very that. mature thought. How did you, yeah. but, well, did you... I, you know, I, it's funny. I qualified for the Tory Honors Institute, which is, which is a great books curriculum and honors program at Biola University. And I declined to participate when I went because, I thought, oh, just nerds do that. And I don't want to. <laughs> and then I had a roommate in the program and she was wonderful. It is kind to of a cult. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. And so, and I think I realized, wow, she can ask good questions or articulate okay. her thoughts on things. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm, and I'm busy doing busy work. Mm. You know, I'm busy doing busy work for an A. Oh. Like there's a difference here. So and Tory we're... honors made when their stock went up. <laughs> yeah yeah okay gotcha and then and then my husband who really had a pretty lame experience in an award-winning public high school he just wasn't <laughs> there for the education at all but he was a wrestler and he's a very deep thinker mm. he he showed me through god his actions him. god bless him he showed me through his actions how much one can learn outside the classroom mm. and that's awesome and, it is awesome. And I, that's so cool. I, you're honoring your husband like that. I well, love he's, that. he's wonderful. And so he has really been the driving force because he's a learner and he's never stopped and he's never been limited by money or classes or teachers or anything. And well, I, how did he get curious though? Uh, yeah. I mean, he would say it, it awakened. No, okay. he would say it awakened when he became a Christian. So he did not grow up as a Christian. He, or uh, how would he, he put that? He, like, how would he put it? He would put that in name. He grew up in a Christian household. Gotcha. But, um, what, when did he convert? He, <laughs> he attended the church I grew up in. Oh. And he was brought in with a lot of love and in this small church community and, mm -hmm. and really, you know, given the word of God through the Bible and he converted, I mean, he truly became born again. And he, I knew him through that period. I had met him. So he did truly become born again. He was a new man. What age was that when he was, when he came, he to was church? 21, he was 21. He probably came when he was 20 to okay. my church. And I met so him. He on didn't a grow up break. in the church. He didn't grow up in that church that you went to. No, it was opposite ends of California. And I was okay. going oh, to school. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. Opposite ends of California. So he um, Shasta versus LA. Yeah. Yes. 
Yes. And so then he was um, discipled a little bit by my dad, who's a pastor of oh, my dad's cool. been a senior pastor of the church for about, I think it's 26 years or something. Wow. Um, and uh, he went to Multnomah University with Doug Guybet, actually, my dad. No Fun, small, small world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no Back ways, in the day brother. in the 70s. No ways, brother. That's how yeah. the Hawaiians would say. So, <laughs> I like it. Oh, no yeah, way, brother. So, um, Doug Guyvet. Oh, yeah. That... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I was curious in school, but about history and other things. I participated in extracurricular activities that I got to delve into deeply, like history competitions and things that I really geeked <laughs> out on and I loved. But it was not in the classroom until, yeah. So how did you come to major in sociology? This is actually a question I was going to ask you uh, when you said that, but how did you come to, Um, how did you get to um, this college and you, you were like trying to figure out a major and how did you come up with sociology? I was admitted as a political science major and I was in the department a couple of years and I transferred to sociology. I was originally thinking law school. And I wanted a pre-law track. I Did you take statistics? Did you have to take statistics? Yes, I did. Yeah, I had to take statistics. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. That's that's actually good training. Statistics. Yeah, and I really, I really enjoyed my statistics. Yeah, Yeah, I I thought that was gosh, I was like, this is the most practical math I've ever done in my life. Yes. That's right. This is yeah, it and you can see how people manipulate numbers and absolutely and that alone is worth taking. Yeah, it meant it, it added so much value to math for me. I really, I really did love that. And I, I think everybody should get to take it, but, um, can homeschoolers take that statistics? They sure, they sure can. They could probably find it for free online or they can find it at a local homeschool community for almost free or free. People well, are the problem solvers. And if you give them enough leash you know if you loosen the leash if you loosen you know if you give them enough space they'll solve the problem they'll work together to meet the needs of their children that's awesome you've given us so much value today i'm so excited you came on and just poured into us and i'm so grateful i mean i've got all these notes and um we're we're so grateful yeah i'm sorry Uh, for the long conversation but it's a stimulating no no that's what we do we tell we tell people we do long form like joe rogan yeah and 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 it's funny because people say oh no i I will maybe do like a half hour (laughs) yeah an hour and a half later (laughs) they're still going and i'm like see see yes if you have an attention span which you clearly do sometimes people don't like rushing through and oh we got a break and then there's the music and then they go uh, or like some of these um, people it's so weird how they transition so fast uh like like ben shapiro they'll they'll be talking about some crazy thing a million miles an hour and then um uh do you have life lock insurance or whatever (laughs) Get it's this so pillow. upsetting Get this as the pillow. listener. Yeah, I know. Just like, wait, hold on a second. Um, it is so it's upsetting. So disorienting. So that's uh, what happens to kids when the bell rings at school. They're right when they're about to get it and have a breakthrough. Bing! They can't stop. do the deep work. No. I totally get that. They can't do the deep work because stop. the deep stop. work is constantly being interrupted. Yeah. When I had to do my dissertation, mm-hmm. I. You have to spend lots of time in the library. At least I did. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you said that Tori Honors, this is the last little thing I'll say. Mm-hmm. Is you said Tori Honors was a gray books program. Great. And I remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Great oh, books. Sorry, great explain- books. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. that, that explains a lot because, okay, that makes actually sense because I was going to say, I walked through those spaces at Tori and some of the books were not gray. <laughs> and I, I freaking lost it i was just like this place is a bunch of bull and you know how do you explain this and people were like chill out man it's yeah. a gray books program i'm like i can are you saying i'm blind are you saying i can't see yeah. that book has a blue cover and i flipped through them and a lot of them didn't even have any pictures or any pie graphs or charts that's no, there was no facts there was no, no. statistics <laughs> and so yeah. i was like anyway okay well we'll let you go uh, jessica oh, thank, thank you so you much, so for much. The time. and thank we'll you. see you later